a remote fantastical kingdom far from Europe's chancelleries of power. An ancient castle where secrets are walled up. An unpopular monarch on the eve of his coronation. A ruling class of plotters and would-be usurpers. And a gentleman adventurer on holiday. No, not Ruritania in the 19th century, but the United Kingdom in the 21st. Stein's new book, The Prisoner of Windsor, is a contemporary inversion of Anthony Hope's classic, The Prisoner of Zender. In the original, an English gentleman on vacation is called upon to stand in for his lookalike, the King of Ruritania, at his coronation. Over a century later, a Ruritanian on vacation in London is called upon to return the favour and stand in for an Englishman in an absurd, fantastical kingdom where Brexit never quite happened. Plots are afoot. The Prisoner of Windsor by Mark Stein. Available in hardback and digital editions or for a personally autographed copy, go to steinonline.com. The Stein Online Clubland Q&A begins right now. Welcome along. June 23rd, 2023. It is 3 p.m. North American Eastern Time. That is 4 p.m. in the beautiful Canadian Maritimes, half past four in Newfoundland and beyond the Americas, 8 p.m. in London and Dublin, 9 p.m. in Paris and Berlin, 10 p.m. in Kiev. Yes! 10 p.m. in Kiev and Moscow, now in the same time zone, if not the same country. 10.30 p.m. in Tehran for all you Newfoundlanders who moved to Iran for the half-hour time zone. Midnight 45 in Kathmandu for all you Iranians who moved to Nepal to check out the quarter-hour time zone. 3 a.m. in Singapore, Honkers and Perth. I am sorry about that. 5 a.m. in Sydney and Melbourne. Still kind of sort of sorry. 7 a.m. in Auckland and a rather convivial hour for the Kippers and Kedgeri in His Majesty's Dominions across the Pacific. Today is Victory Day in Estonia, commemorating a great military triumph for Estonia and Latvia against the Baltic Landwehr on this day in 1919. I'm not sure why the holiday, <coughs> pardon me, is a bigger deal in Estonia than in Latvia, but uh, so it is. We have Estonian and Latvian members of the Mark Stein Club, and as Victory Day draws to a close in the Baltic, we hope it was a good one for you. Oh, and uh, happy Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day for tomorrow to our Quebec listeners. 
I was uh, in Montreal last night and uh, crossing uh, the intersection of uh, Sherbrooke and Drummond Streets, uh, Drummond Street, of course, uh, where I lived when I was 18 years old. Drummond Street, named for Sir George Drummond, one of the great men who helped build the city of Montreal. Anyway, I'm surprised they haven't renamed it yet. Uh, crossing Drummond and Sherbrooke, uh, I bumped into a Mark Stein cruiser, and that's maybe not such a big deal because we do have Canadian and Quebec and Montreal cruisers. But in fact, this Mark Stein cruiser, who hailed me in the middle of the intersection, was from Sydney, New South Wales. So I'll be seeing him as we embark from Trieste in uh, a couple of weeks' time or uh, whatever. Two hour. Wait at a small remote rural border crossing today. So I have just made it, but as you can tell, I'm a little short of breath. Uh, not necessarily because of my health issues, but because I was sitting at the border uh, for two hours and then had to floor it to get here in time for the show. But I made it, uh, which is super professional, but I'm totally unprepared, which is super unprofessional. I thought we had some very good. Uh, Telly shows this week, as far as the Mark Stein show was concerned, uh, they for me they were punctuated by blood transfusions and other medical procedures. Not too painful, but a little time. Well, not a little time consuming. Very uh, time consuming, which may <laughs> be impairing my performance if that doesn't end uh, soon. Uh, anyway, let's get to your question. And what, uh, one thing I would say about this is that when you ha when stuff eats into your time like that, you know, four hours or whatever it was to transfuse me, and then I had a, another time-consuming procedure uh, yesterday, uh, one of the things means you... you um, you don't have time for the sort of little little things that flare up and they're all the, you know, all, there was some, I think, uh, video clip of Biden putting his hand on his heart to the wrong national anthem yesterday. And then having the once he realized it was the wrong national anthem, trying to figure out how to get his hand discreetly off his heart. Uh, which he did by sort of letting it droop inch by inch. And it's all very cute. The trouble is when you're, you know, when you're uh, hooked up to machines and things for long periods of time, you don't really have time to get into any of the enjoyable trivia anymore. You only got time for the big picture stuff. So I may lack a few details today. Frank Gallenstein says, Hi, Mark. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. On the latest revelations from the whistleblower and the Wapiden crime family, uh, Gannett, uh, USA Today, at, uh, yeah, they, Gannett must be the worst newspaper publishers in the uh, English-speaking world. They're the publishers of bland, insipid crap uh, all over the United States, um, across the river from me in the state of Vermont, they do the Burlington Free Press. I mean, basically, these papers now are just a couple of pages of local wraparound uh, around the USA today. Uh, he says Get, they're just awful. They shouldn't be in. They should be in some other kind of business. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody want, nobody needs, nobody wants to read them. They're awfully written. There's nothing of any interest in them. 
They do nothing for the local communities they serve. They're just rubbish. I wish they'd all go out of business. Get it? USA Today. It, uh, <laughs> by the way, did that syndication deal for me come through? With Oh, it didn't. Uh, Gannett USA Today is crickets on this matter. What a surprise, says Frank. Uh, yeah, that's true, but it was in the New York Times. If you haven't heard this, as usual, it uh, the revelation, you know, the timing two days ago when I was on with Snurdly on Tuesday afternoon, WABC, we just had the sweetheart deal that Hunter Biden did with the New York Times, so uh, with um, the U.S. Department of Justice. So the New York Times and everybody can say, oh, well, yeah, yeah, okay. Maybe we shouldn't have uh, suppressed the story on the eve of the 2020 election, but we've dealt with it now, and uh, it's all over because we wrapped it up, and Hunter's got a slap on the wrist for things that if you did it, you'd be in jail for. Uh, and then two days later, we have this thing where Hunter's trying to talk big to some Chinese guy who is a, quote, Chinese businessman, unquote, who heads up various uh, companies in the United States and in China. And uh, these companies were very fortuitously set up shortly after Hunter Biden visited uh, China with his dad on Air Force Two. There shouldn't be an Air Force Two. If this really was a uh, republic of self-governing citizens, there wouldn't be an Air Force Two. Uh, but it isn't. That's all phony baloney bollocks at this stage. So anyway, uh, Hunter hops a ride on Air Force Two uh, because he has to do various deals while his dad is visiting China on behalf of the United States of America. And then 12 days after they get back to the United States, these uh, various companies get set up. Hunter is promised, I think it was just $100,000. And uh, apparently it's a bit late getting wired through. And so he sends a rather intemperate text to the Chinese guy, who's a big shot Chinaman. Can't say Chinaman, that's racist, but you know what? I don't care. Uh, so the big shot Chinaman, uh, Hunter sends him a text saying, uh, I'm sitting next to my dad and he and everyone who uh, he knows uh, can hold a grudge for a lifetime if we don't get what we want. In other words, if you don't deliver what you promise by the end of this evening, the guy sitting next to me, get it, get it, get it. Joe Biden, the big guy, he can bear a grudge like nobody's, but you don't want to cross a Biden. You don't want to cross my father. And he puts all this in writing in a text. And uh, as they say, uh, as the FBI whistleblowers have said, nobody wanted, uh, the FBI or the Department of Justice wanted to go near this. And Frank Gallenstein, or Gallenstein, I think it's Gallenstein, I, I hope I got that right. Frank says, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. My thought is the only one, and it's the one that the Poofters on the right, the Nancy boys on the right, the guys with the super butch music, the guys with the theme music that's Eye of the Tiger Sideways, simply uh, don't want to address, which is the level of corruption 
in the United States. You don't have a republic. You have a dead republic. You have a Potemkin republic. You have a pseudo-republic. You have an ersatz republic. You have basically a kleptocracy. And that's something that you guys really need to give some thought to. Because it's actually quite unusual in the English-speaking world. It's uh, anyone, any American. Uh, you know, I'm often with my American associates in Canada or Australia or the United Kingdom when some so-called corruption scandal blows up, and people are shocked at how you know how little it takes uh, to get someone out. Of, it can be you know two thousand dollars, eight thousand dollars, enough to get someone kicked out of office. The scale of graft going on in Washington is like nothing else on earth. And I believe increasingly that it's the, it's the easiest solution. It's the easiest, uh, you know, it's, it's the easiest way of looking at things as to why nothing works is because it's a republic of people on the take. And I know that's not something that is nice to think about if you're uh, American, but it is uh, unfortunately the case. Uh, Biden, this text is in interesting because it exposes what Joe Biden uh, claims, that he and his son's business dealings are entirely separate from each other. You know, and if you look at the softball interviews he gets when he's on so-called mainstream television, uh, these puffball questions, they look, oh, we know that, you know, Hunter and his businesses are nothing to do with you. You're an entirely separate entity. But just as a father, as a father, isn't it a bit distressing for you to have your son caught in the spotlight like this? Oh, um, but it's that's not what's going on. Biden is a crook. He's been a crook all his life, which is why his property portfolio cannot be explained by his income. You know, that's, that's the most basic thing. But here's the thing. When you get greedy and you greedy, greedy, it's very difficult to say, OK, I've got enough now. I've got enough houses. I've got enough swimming pools where I can swim nude in front of the female Secret Service agents. I've got enough of them now. Because when, you're, when greed is the purpose of your existence, as it has been for a hack like Biden, then it becomes impossible to stop. And it leads you into uh, further and further afield. So you're not just ripping off, you know, donors based here and there, uh, lob this particular lobby in Delaware or wherever it is. Uh, you're going further and further afield. And eventually you discover that the big money is to be made in places like China and Ukraine. And that's, uh, that's why he has his brother, these, this god-awful, disgusting family. And as I said, I'm, I don't particularly like Canadian, Australian, UK, New Zealand politics at the moment. Uh, but, you know, it's all nickel and dime stuff compared to the scale of the racket, the scale of the corruption in the United States. So 
it's one thing to be selling yourself out to, you know, banks. It's one thing to be selling yourself out to other American lobbies. It becomes quite another thing when you discover that the real big bucks are to be made from selling yourself out to uh, to the Chinese communists, Ukrainian oligarchs, and other enemies of the United States. And to do it through a guy like Hunter, you know, there's something pitiful about that text. It's $100,000. You know, there's, there's people in the, in, in the Clinton Foundation racket, you know, you find some fat Saudi prince uh, who wants to pay $3 million to have Chelsea Clinton deliver a speech on diarrhea in Africa. Uh, Joe hasn't got a Chelsea Clinton. He's just got Hunter. Hunter's a crackhead. Hunter's tastes are very simple. He likes drugs and hookers, uh, which can add up, which can add up. But it's a nickel and dime kind of corruption. So he's all excited because he's been promised a hundred grand, and that's going to take care of his drug habits and his hooker needs uh, for the next few weeks. But the Chinese guy hasn't. Uh, hasn't wired the hundred grand. So Hunter in the text is threatening to shake him down. This is how stupid Hunter Biden is. He thinks he's shaking down the Chinese Communist Party because they haven't sent him the hundred grand. The Chinese Communist Party understand that they're buying the Biden family for dollar general prices. The fact of the matter is the Biden family are a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party. And the fact is that one of the lavishly funded police agencies that is supposed to protect against such a thing happening knew about it before the 2020 election and colluded in the campaign to suppress that information in order that the Chinese asset get elected. And I don't, I'm not being, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting overexcited about this. He's a small, grubby little man, Joe Biden, even when he was functioning. This is before he started falling over on stage and saying random crap and all the rest of it. But before that, he was a small, grubby little man. Uh, but the fact is that if, when he gets his second term, I mean, just to look at it, yes, he's, if you go back, whatever it is now, what are we, 2023? So if you, we go back to 2020, when he was doing all the nonsense, I used to get invited on to Tucker to talk about, you know, when he was talking about corn pop or he was calling somebody a lying dog face pony soldier, uh, picking on co-eds when he was giving a speech in New Hampshire and all the rest of it. It's amazing how he was obnoxious, but he was far he was far higher functioning than he is three years later, and yet it makes no difference. And again, the thing to bear in mind here is that if you think about what we know from if you're paying attention, a lot of Americans don't know it, but but if you've been paying attention, think about what you know from 
the Hunter Biden laptop, 10% for the big guy, all the Hunter stuff with his using his hookers as confessionals and all the rest of it. And then think, uh, if that's what we know about, imagine what the Chicoms have on him. That's the way to look at it. That's the way to look at it. Uh, it's quite extraordinary. And it's extraordinary. You know, we're in a transitional phase here in which the savvier people, who I forget who it was, uh, because I'm a little uh, underprepared here. Um, I forget who it was who was uh, standing uh, in his room uh, having his valet uh, dress him, looking out in the street in the rioting mob and the valet uh, saying uh, to him, uh, whose side are we on? And the Marquis or the Duke or whoever it was saying, uh, oh, we don't know yet. Well, you know, you look outside the window, uh, we are in one of those periods of transitions of power. And the attitude of people like the Bidens, the Trudeaus, uh, uh, Jeremy Hunt in the UK and various others tells you uh, whose side they have worked out is going to win and they know whose side they're on. Chris Hall writes, hi, Mark. I hope that all of your procedures went well and no extraneous implements were left behind in inappropriate places. Yeah, we may stream that as a special for premium subscribers only. Uh, your comment about the Dollarama deal that the Chinese Communist Party got with their present cozy relationship reminded me of the lines in Casablanca where Ugarte, played by Peter Laurie, explains that he gets exit visas for poor devils for half the price charged by Captain Renault. Is that so parasitic? Rick replies, I don't mind a parasite. I object to a cut-rate one. If the CCP decide to dump their current group in D.C., don't you think the replacements will be a lot more expensive? You know, inflation at all. No, I think these are all, they're, they're buying up who they need to buy up uh, for bargain basement price prices, and I would bet that that uh, as the uh, inevitable in the in the power imbalance between uh, the United States and China, uh, as the scales tip, I would imagine the rates are going to get even cheaper. I would think, uh, I would think, Chris, that's just the way it goes. Eric Dale says, Mark and fellow club members, are we looking at the Hunter Biden situation all wrong and failing to appreciate all the good things our aristocracy have done for us? I mean, when Joe Biden says that Hunter is the smartest guy he knows, couldn't he be telling the truth? Could you have made millions of dollars from your father being a U.S. senator, then vice president, then U.S. president, all under the nose of the money, no object FBI without repercussions. Could any of us think of how enriched our society is that the children and grandchildren of our political and financial leaders will occupy their positions without consequence? It worked great for Conservative Inc. Irving Crystal begat Bill Crystal. Lucian Goldberg begat Jonah Goldberg. George H.W. Bush gave the world George W. Bush, and Lord knows the people of Iraq thank their lucky stars for that one. George Soros's son is allegedly taking over the empire on the financial side. Anderson Cooper is a Vanderbilt. 
So while Don Lemon is wondering why his rainbow card has been declined, Cooper is as secure as ever, despite being debunked more than astrology. Do these people ever go away? I think this is one of the problems um, that you have when you don't have uh, titles of nobility, which the United States doesn't. So it doesn't have guys running around calling themselves dukes and marquises and viscounts. But it is in the natural order of society uh, for there to be uh, hereditary uh, beneficiaries to one degree or another. You're better to have uh, an open nobility. Uh, so, you know, as, as we talked about, uh, I think, with the ladies a couple of nights ago, uh, some guys running around uh, calling himself the 12th Marquis of whatever because of something his great, great, great whatever did <coughs> several centuries back. It's a sort of, uh, it's a more honest way of doing things. I mean, what is interesting to me is the way, you know, uh, if you look at Hunter's bi business dealings, they involve, uh, you know, John Kerry's uh, stepson and all. These guys are all running around. Uh, and uh, he, the the way the way the the in the Biden family particularly the way absolutely talentless members of that family uh, are, uh, are, can enrich themselves because of the guy's surname. You know, it's the same thing with with uh, Chelsea uh, Chelsea Clinton, and I I just I'm revolted by it. You know, I would like it if the bollocks were true, but I get sick of, I, 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 it's, you know, it's simply, even on the Republican side, the fact that Jeb Bush and all the donors thought that we needed a third Bush president within 25 years a third Bush presidency within 25 years does not speak well for the health of the republic. Uh, mind you, Johnny Woodrow says, Hi, Mark, the Bidens are bought and paid for Chicom assets without a doubt. But R.F. Kennedy Jr. maintains that the Biden regime is following neocon policies in seeking to provoke China to war. R.F.K. Jr. wants to get around the table with Xi and reduce tensions. What do you make of Biden's public-private dance with the CCP? Do stay alive. Do stay alive, old boy. There is lots to do, says Johnny Woodrow. <laughs> yeah, uh, after my complaint about uh, the uh, hereditary political power in the United States, the thing about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., we had him on the show. You know, there's a lot of candidates I wouldn't want to have on the show. I'm not going to say, you know, all the ones we've uh, turned down and had no interest in. But I'm interested in people who talk about something that matters. And uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is talking about something that matters. So the big pharma thing is actually a really big thing. Just to go back to the corruption, and just, I'll, I'll get to your question, Johnny, but I do, do just want to dwell on this a minute. You know, as I said, the metastasizing corruption. So it starts small. You, you, you just want to nickel and dime it here so you can buy a few extra beach houses like grubby little Joe Biden. But it's a question about the people you're selling out to. Uh, 
You know, for for example, uh, the line we played, I think, on our Leilani special, uh, as uh, f- f- articulated by Julian Assange, the goal isn't a successful war, the goal is an endless war. So if you're wondering why America spends uh, 20 years running around the barren plain of Afghanistan, it's because there are huge fortunes in it for the so-called military-industrial complex. And that's a tragedy because actual real Americans who aren't getting rich off the war racket die because of it. They die or they come home with horrible, life-changing injuries. You know, so those people are prepared to enrich themselves atop the corpses of their fellow Americans. That's the military. Then we have uh, something like uh, Big Pharma. Americans are the most medicated people on the planet, and yet they get the worst results on the planet. You know, certainly among the developing, the developed uh, world uh, in terms of uh, life expectancy and such like. So, and, and uh, right now we have the unhealthiest kids on the planet. Um, I said in my conversation with RFK, uh, it was just an observation that I had had no idea about the medication. I well, for start when, you know, when I was at school, we had like a school nurse that would be if you slipped and fell and, you know, bruised your knee or sprained your ankle while you were running around the playground, something like that. Then when I went to big school, uh, you know, a matron was. Uh, <laughs> Uh, dealt with uh, rather more uh, intrusive matters and all the rest of it. But again, it's just like normal stuff. Uh, I was astonished at when my kids started at, the, at grade school in New Hampshire, the urge to medicate them, the urge to med- there are fanta- there are fantastic incentives, federal incentives to medicating your kids. Uh, to the school medicating your kids, the school uh, putting your kids on, uh, deciding your kids are suffering from ADHD and putting on them. You know, and this whole, me- again, the over-medication of the kids has not worked out well for the kids. And I think it's just, I do think it's worth stepping, and so I think it's worth stepping back, saying, well, wait a minute, uh, what normal... What normal uh, foreign power would want to spend 20 years running around to no purpose in Afghanistan? Why would you do something like that? Then again, why would you, uh, why would you create uh, all these drugs for medicating your kids and all the rest? You know, when the health outcomes of these things uh, are worse in many respects than countries that don't give these kids any of it. And I must say, you know, and then when you get to something like, uh, as we sort of halfway through celebrating, you know, Pride Month, uh, and you look at Pride Month and the uh, transgenders bearing their fake breasts. By the way, I don't want to be down on America, but I, I do think when you can wreck knockers, I think when you can wreck breasts, there isn't really a lot left to wreck. So these transgenders exposing their fake boobs at the White House. And you think about that. You think, what's going on here? And then Joe Biden is anxious to celebrate, apparently, uh, you know, 
parents of transgender children who decide to have their children's bodies mutilated. I think actually, as I've said, I don't think there's much lower there's much lower to go when you're actually mutilating middle school children. It's one thing to be medicating middle school children, but when you look, it's another thing then to start mutilating them. And I think at that point, you are getting pretty close to that uh, internet meme of the two German soldiers sitting around demanding to know whether we're the baddies. Now, so that's RFK Jr., Johnny Woodrow. Uh, but Johnny uh, says, what do you make of the Biden's public-private dance with the CCP? There's not going to be a war with China. China's strategy is to take over the world without firing a shot. Because they think that firing shots is so 19th century, it's laughable. You know, so the whole shock and awe, th- ah, shock and awe, baby. Let's light up the sky for 48 hours. Let's spend billions of dollars worth of cruise missiles uh, in the first three days. Uh, what was it George W. Bush said? Putting a cruise missile through a tent and hitting some camel in the butt. Yeah, that we can do. Okay, then what? What are you going to do? Well, then we're just going to run around for another 20 years uh, until everyone's made enough money. Then we'll end the uh, Afghan war, but we'll leave all our equipment here so uh, that when the guys get back to the United States, they're going to need to replace all the equipment they gave to the Taliban. Uh, And then we're going to take a 20-minute tea break and start doing it all over again in Ukraine. These these are... I love, by the way, I loved... Joe Biden, he did his favorite line again, you know, about how Americans don't need assault weapons because you're not going to be able to take out your government, uh, you know, with with your so-called assault weapon. You're going to need an F-16 for that. You may be going to – he was doing this at some Democrat fundraiser the other day. You're going to need nuclear weapons for that. Yeah, really? The Taliban didn't need F-16. You left them a bunch – of aircrafts. They have no idea how to fly them. There's some sad video on the internet of the Taliban guy getting into the jet and figuring out how to start it up, and he gets it into the air, and then, ah, sorry, boom, he's gone, he's dead, doesn't know how to fly it. They didn't know how to fly those F-16s, and they still kicked your ass, Joe Biden. So uh, so the Taliban refute that line. But also, I think, you know, these, these, are, these are the results of the American way of war against entirely peripheral powers, Afghan goat herds, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the so-called uh, Ukraine war. The idea of America getting into a war with China, as I said, I don't think... That would go well. And I think China, I think, I, think they want end, I think they want endless wars on the fringes of the map while actually surrendering to the real enemy day by day by day by day. Uh, we're going to take more of your questions, but let us pause for a brief musical a respite from the hell of the headlines and instead have something from the hell of my health on 
Oh, what was it now? Uh, Wednesday's Mark Stein Show. After my blood transfusion, I played eight bars of Nervous Norvis singing Transfusion. And I was absolutely stunned by the number of comments we got on that. Comments from Americans who knew the song from Dr. Demento's radio show and from Britons who knew it from Kenny Everett on Capital Radio. Uh, So rather than... Uh, play another eight bars for each transfusion, I figured we might as well play the whole thing now. Number eight on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1956. Tooling down the highway doing 79. I'm a twin pipe popper and I'm feeling fine. Hey man, dig that. Was that a red stop sign? Fusion, transfusion, I'm just a solid mess of contusions. Never, never, never gonna speed again. Slip the blood to me, bud. I jump in my rod about a quarter to nine. I gotta make a date with that chick of mine. I cross the center line, man, you gotta make time. Transfusion, transfusion, oh man, I got the cotton picking convolutions. I'm never, never, never gonna speed again. Shoot the juice to me, Bruce. My foot's on the throttle and it's made of lead But I'm a fast-riding daddy with a real cool head I'm a-gonna pass a truck on the hill ahead Transfusion, transfusion My red corpse suckles are in mass confusion Never, never, never gonna speed again Pour the crimson in me, Jimson I took a little drink and I'm a-feeling right I can fly right over everything, everything in sight There's a slow-poking cat, I'm gonna pass him on the right Fusion. I'm a real gone pale face and that's no illusion I'm a never, never, never gonna speed again Pass the claret to me, Barrett A rolling down the mountain on a rainy day Oh, when you see me coming, better start to pray I'm a cutting up the road and I'm the boss all the way Transfusion, transfusion Oh, Doc, pardon me for this crazy intrusion I'm never, never, never gonna speed again Pump the fluid in me, Louis. I'm burning up the freeway early this morning. I'm a passing everybody. Oh, nothing but corn, man. Out of my way. I don't drive with my horn. Transfusion. Oh, nurse, I'm going to make a new resolution. I'm never, never, never going to speed again. Put a gallon in me, Allen. Oh, barnyard drivers are found in two classes. Line crowding hogs and speeding jackasses. So remember to slow down today. Make that type O, huh? That a boy. Yeah, pass the crimson to me, Jimson. Put a gallon in me, Alan. Or for you metric types, put a liter in me, Rita. Uh, Transfusion, written and sung by Nervous Norvus, who was a chap called Jimmy Drake. Mr. Drake died at uh, not too advanced an age from cirrhosis of the liver, and his body was given to the, the Department of Anatomy at the University of California, San Francisco, where I believe it still is. Although Alan wouldn't want to try putting a gallon in Mr. Norvis these days. The Mark Stein Show, live around the planet. We're back to your questions in just 30 seconds. This is Mark Stein. After three years in COVID, Stan, it's time to get out of town. 
So join me on the 2023 Mark Stein Cruise, sailing from Italy to Croatia, Montenegro, Greece, for a full week of sun, sea, and civilizational collapse. I'll have special guests from around the world, from America, Canada, Australia, Britain, Europe, and we'll do all the things you like about the Mark Stein Show and Stein Online, but close up and on water. More details at steinonline.com or marksteincruise.com. Yeah, the beautiful Adriatic with Ava, Leilani, Alexandra, and many more. Can't beat that. MarkSteinCruise.com. We sail in just a fortnight or so. We don't mind uh, last-minute cruises, but uh, uh, I wouldn't leave it too long because our Neptune suites are gone and uh, some of the other uh, accommodations are already getting hard to find. So uh, so don't leave it uh, too much longer. It is, uh, what are we, 21 to 9 British summertime, a little behind, a lot ahead, according to where you chance to be on this turbulent earth. Uh, who we got up next? Oh, Brian from Minneapolis says... Dear Mark, hope you're feeling better considering what is going on. The deep state uses all its power to persecute Trump supporters like Flynn and Stone. And when Trump wants justice, we get stuck with a rhino in Durham. <laughs> yeah, uh, I used to do big, dramatic uh, renditions of John Durham's name and the Durham Report. And uh, because of my medical condition, I can't actually do that anymore. Uh, but it's not just because of my medical condition, because he doesn't even merit that anymore. It's so pathetic. Uh, a rhino in Durham who politely asked people, never interviewed anyone of importance, no further charges brought to anyone, and in the end wound up with someone with little importance doing hardly any time. The dirty, stinking, corrupt justice system. That's not how we do it. We do the dirty, stinking, rotten, corrupt justice system, Brian. The dirty, stinking, rotten, corrupt justice system has made it impossible for us to do anything. How can we sure be sure that purging these institutions is even possible with the power they wield and refuse to surrender? Just in case you weren't persuaded uh, that Hunter Biden got a sweetheart deal, he was at some big gala dinner in Washington, D.C. last night. Black uh, tie is there in his tuxedo and everything with uh, Merrick Garland, Hunter and Merrick. So Merrick Garland, oh yeah, he brought the full force of the law down on Hunter Biden. Uh, we're showing, we're demonstrating that in America, no one is above the law. No one is above the law. So we're really cracking down on Hunter Biden and we've persuaded him to cop a plea and it's all very serious and you certainly don't want to have that on your record like poor old Hunter Biden's got. Two days after the deal, the deal was on, let me see now, Tuesday. On Thursday night, he's at a state dinner with Merrick Garland. It's a toilet. You stupid boobs waving your constitution like these guys. Don't do that. You know, the constitution enabled all this. The constitution enabled all this. You've got to explain that. It's not normal. It's not normal uh, to keep in, insisting you have constitutional this, constitutional that. Uh, it's actually way past Banana Republic stage now because it's one thing for some rinky-dink, no-account country in Latin America or Central Africa to be a rotten, corrupt 
hellhole. But it actually is unusual in the state of global affairs for a great power to be as stinkingly corrupt as this country is. And that's something, you know, that we could use some, we could use a little more self-examination, you know, because the, the there's a difference between the left and the right in the sense that the left wants all this. The corrupt American left wants all this. It's not like the left in, you know, Norway or Denmark. They come by their socialism more or less honestly. It's the disposition of their people for better or ill. Uh, so the Danes, for example, have clean elections uh, and they happen to, you know, uh, elect a lot of uh, socialists. They've actually got, you know, a butcher immigration policy uh, than a lot of other countries right now. But uh, we're generalizing here. The Scandinavians come by their socialism. You know, people like uh, Bernie Sanders say, you know, he just wants to be like Denmark. You're too stinkingly corrupt ever to be like Denmark, Bernie. You support corrupt people. You support crooks. You're helped by uh, surrendering. You helped enable all Hillary's crookery in 2016. That's how undanish you are. You want to be like Denmark. You couldn't be like Denmark. You're too dirty, stinking, rotten, and corrupt. That's the, but that's the left. The left in America is open about power and what it wants from power. The right is just living in la-la land, is just living in delusion. Now, you know, the guy, uh, whatever he is, the chairman of whatever committee it is, Jason Smith, is it? He gave like a, a fairly good uh, breakdown of the problem with the Hunter Biden deal, but he did it two days after the deal. So whether it amounts to any more than all the other investigations that the right has launched through all the years I've been in this country. In the, in the end, you know, the uh, left commits the crimes very effectively and the right investigates the crimes years later and very ineffectively. And that's, that right there is a power imbalance. That right there is a terrible power imbalance. We need to get serious about this. You know, people, I don't like, as I said last week, I don't like doing the controlled opposition thing. But, you know, uh, the scale of the corruption here, you've lost your republic. And the question now is whether you're serious about getting it back or you're just going to sing about it about how fabulous it was for the, for the next however many years. Because the left doesn't mind. As long as they get all the power and you sing, I'm proud to be an American, uh, that suits that arrangement suits them. That they can live with. That they can live with. Uh, Mark Lipniaki, I hope I said that right, Mark, says, Hi, Mark, as far as the tragedy, the Titan tragedy was concerned, was Stockton the CEO of Oceangate, culpable. Well, I'm sure just because he's American 
and his company's American. There are going to be lawsuits about this. He he went down with the ship. He was blown apart uh, by uh, by whatever happened uh, to the Titan. And yes, when you uh, look at what uh, look at his company and you look at what they do, there's an element of the chancer. Uh, about his business model, I think one could say. Uh, But the fact remains that submersibles are not actually uh, regulated. There are are regulations you have to follow if you build a ship or if you build a submarine, but they're not for these little submersible things. That's maybe a gap in the law that he exploited, but it happens to be the way it is. And Certainly the calculation of risk, I mean, I feel it's, it's a human tragedy, uh, but a, a tragedy uh, to what end, I don't, I don't know. I find it sort of odd. The, the, the story of the Titanic moves me and, and moves a lot of people a, a century after it, um, uh, 100 and whatever it is, 11 years after it happened. Um, but, but I don't know about, I, it doesn't move me to the point where I would want to go down to the ocean bed and inspect the wreck. That is a grave site. If you take the, uh, customs of seafaring, uh, seriously, that is a grave site and, uh, in a certain sense, those people should be left at rest. I certainly don't think I would take a teenage son down there. And the billionaire who did uh, was perhaps too complacent about the fragility of our civilization, um, which, you know, which the sea... Above all, we don't understand that on land, but we should certainly understand it on sea because it is one part of Earth that we do not un- we understand very little about. And we understand less and less about it the deeper and deeper and deeper you go. And the idea that, uh, you know, a billionaire can just sort of buy access to these places um, those guys in that submersible learnt it the hard way that that is you cannot buy access to the Titanic the way you can to a table in a good restaurant. And certainly to take your kid along with you on something like that, I don't think that's anything I would do. Matt, on the same theme, says, For a few days the eyes of the world were glued on the North Atlantic and the search for the missing submersible. It seemed... Like an odd moment of normality, people fascinated by and concerned about people in harm's way. There was a brief aside when it turned out the CEO of OceanGate did much of his hiring based on DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion. But then the focus returned to the search and concern for those aboard. Am I reading too much into this? Well, not at all. There's all kinds of stories today that the uh, claiming that the U.S. Navy overheard the thing blow apart on Sunday, but decided to keep it to themselves, 
in order that it not get in the way of the Hunter Biden plea deal or whatever it was. I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm cynical about all these things. I think, I, I think interest in these things is absolutely is absolutely genuine because it's a human moment, and it's actually, you know, rather. Uh, heartening to think that we can still have those. And I don't... uh, The fact of the matter is, is there's five guys on the bottom of the ocean. And it doesn't matter whether those five guys are right-wing or left-wing. It's actually a human moment. And the things that, as I said, what we've just been talking about, the one billionaire who took his teenage son around uh, along for the ride, which, as I said, I don't think I would have done. But, you know, what that means is a, a guy becomes a billionaire and he has a son and the son is the dynastic element of his empire building. And that blew apart in that submersible I find, I find, I find, I don't know, I don't know anything about these people. I just know that a couple of them were billionaires. I got photographs. The, the other guy has a photograph with his kid on the South Pole, the first teenager to reach the South Pole. You know, it's a human thing. Um, they may have been left-wing, they may have been right-wing. I have no idea, but it's actually quite encouraging. You know, what we like about the the Titanic, the ti- where James Cameron made his film rather boring is uh, attempting to do a sort of class warfare thing on the thing, which is in some ways the least interesting about it. I mean, when you have the most powerful men from either side of the Atlantic and they suddenly realize, wait a minute, we've hit the iceberg how can that be how can that be possible uh but we're going to go down with the ship wait wait a minute i'm some rich guy from philadelphia why do i have to go down with the ship uh these things it's good occasionally just to have things that aren't boringly partisan it's a terrible story but it was but the way but it, the way it engaged the world uh i think was uh, genuine in that sense um, John Fatchy says, how will the elite navigate the incompetence of billionaires? The poor will rebuild the rubble, but I'm ready with my popcorn to watch the House of Cards. I'm often reminded of Charles Foster Kane's response to his newspaper losing a million dollars per year and doing the simple arithmetic of their economics. However, Kane was fictional and not subject to the all-too-human hubris of the wealthiest generation the world has ever known. It's all very well uh, wanting to be ready with your popcorn to watch the House of Cards. Uh, The House of Cards is going to fall on everyone. Now, there are all these uh, statistics showing, uh, you know, the average American family when the powder keg goes up, uh, they've only got 600 bucks or whatever in the bank. that even that assumes that 600 bucks is worth 600 bucks if as peter schiff and other guests on the mark stein show have argued we are coming to the end of the dollar 600 bucks isn't going to be 600 bucks and that's going to affect everybody if you're someone whose principal asset is a house of 
200000 or $300,000 or whatever, and the dollar collapses, that's actually pretty serious for you. It's not going to be pretty. And a lot of very ordinary people, you know, the one reason when people talk about when Joe Biden does his thing about, you know, the AR-15 isn't going to protect you uh, against the government, that may be, but it might be enough to protect you against the marauders from the next town over who come looking for basic supplies uh, and decide that your house is in there. I mean, I do, I do think, you know, Mad Max on I-95 is pretty much where all this uh, ends up. The Notorious Mr. J says, Mr. Sign, best wishes for a speedy resolution to all your health issues. What is your take on the strange fusion of woke and cash? It's a weird sight indeed to see the like of the amusingly named Larry Fink of BlackRock pushing political agendas instead of seeking after gold. I miss the old days. It really was better for democracy and freedom when businessmen looked after the bottom line and left demagoguery to the demagogues. I do too. I The, the one I quoted, I think I mentioned this, on, it just sort of popped into my head for no no reason. Uh, the Irish Free State in uh, 1936, was it? Something like that, uh, brought in the Control of Manufactures Act. And as a result of that, Guinness, which is surely the most famous Irish company, moved its corporate headquarters from Dublin to London. And people were, you know, upset about that, annoyed about that, uh, because it was an iconic Irish company, but all it was doing was looking at the bottom line, and it didn't like the Control the Manufacturers Act and figured that uh, the way to step around it was simply to move over the Irish Sea and uh, relocate in London. And I, uh, it's almost quaint now, <laughs> the idea of companies that just look after the bottom line like that. We've had this business with Wix, which is big home improvement people in the UK. They went super trans. And then when people decided to boycott them, said, screw off anywhere. We, if you're transphobic, we don't want you in our stores. As I said, I think this is pretty much the West... Western civilization morphing into the bad guys. Because you can say what you like about colonialism, say what you like about racism, or you, you know, but uh, district officers in West Africa weren't slicing the breasts of schoolgirls. This end stage Western civilization is, I think, morphing into something close to uh, pure evil. Uh, and it's interesting to me that all the things about robber baron capital, in, th in this case, they're not, un unless you think of stealing the breasts of schoolgirls as a, a form of larceny, they, they aren't really robber barons, but they're actually worse uh, than the robber barons here. And that's a, that's a big problem. Uh, I think that, that, that is an interesting thing. George Pereira adds, Mark, one of the subjects not mentioned in the Bud Light discussions is the actual brewing of beer. 
25 years ago, during a vacation at Bush Gardens in Florida, that's Bush in the Anheuser sense, not Bush in the George W. sense, Bush Gardens in Florida, tours were offered on the actual brewing of Budweiser beer done at the garden. The brewmaster went through the brewing process, measuring quality ingredients, the brewing process, and eventually allowing 21 days for the brew to ferment at the end of which you had Budweiser beer or the tank was disposed of. 21 days. Two decades on, ingredients are loaded up at the front end with the intent to produce a high alcohol goo in 21 hours. Then colouring, flavouring and carbonated water are added to manufacture any beer you want. 21 hours. Small wonder... If you try any other beer, you'd notice a difference immediately. Cause is no different. West of the Rockies, you have Colorado Mountain Water. For east of the Rockies, Coors produces a dewatered syrup, their words, not mine, that they ship east where it is rewatered and packaged. If you start casting about for something else to quench your thirst, the difference must be as profound as Coca-Cola made with high fructose corn syrup versus cane sugar. The arrogance of InBev advertising might initially drive people away, but finding that better quality and better tasting beer is not difficult, keeps them away. Stay safe, stay free, stay well. Well, I wouldn't drink, I would never drink Bud Light. I just, you know, I wouldn't drink it. Uh, I don't begrudge people who want to drink it. But the idea that you'd still drink, it's awful beer. I, I actually, you know, it's, you, you've heard all this stuff about people refusing to drink Bud Light. I happen to be in a bar uh what was it about a week ago you know by a, a a lake a marina kind of setup you know sort of yacht people boat people and uh some guy you know three seats along uh for me at the bar ordered a bud light which was sufficiently unusual uh by that stage for everybody else in the room we all turned and stared at him he didn't say anything and the barman didn't say anything. He just made him a Bud Light. It was like the first Bud Light he'd sold since Dylan Mulvaney came along. But the idea that, you know, these iconic brands fall into the hands of people who hate you. And this goes back to what we, you know, about woke capitalism. It's a very weird, you know, there used to be, what was it, KYC, Know Your Customers? Uh, these guys know their customers. They think you're rubes. They think you're patsies. They think they can keep insulting you and you will keep coming back. And the, the, the tranification of, of, of everything. Again, it's part of a descent into evil. Um, I don't know how far it can go, but the idea that you put up... It's one thing to put up with it. You know, the L.A. Dodgers, if you happen to like that particular sport, are quite a good team. If you happen to like beer, Bud Light isn't a good beer. I, I sort of don't drink a lot of beer, but oddly enough, uh, after my heart attack while I was in France and my daughter came to look after me, I sort of... Uh, I, I took to having beers occasionally as we were out hither and yon around the Christmas period and uh, I, I sort of uh, it, the rubbish that passes for beer 
in the hands of Budweiser and Coors is, is really astonishing to me. But I do think this general contempt, you know, all these, this is where I mentioned before, chit-chatting about this with the great Tom Wolfe, in the Cafe Carlisle at the Carlisle Hotel in New York a few years ago. And I think one thing he got wrong, that he thought people just rolled their eyes at this stuff and forgot about it the minute they left college. No, it isn't. The whole of America is basically like one nutso college campus now. And again, just to come back to the big picture here, that in the, in the great sweep of history, America's 1950 moment, a half century of global preeminence, isn't going to seem like anything. It won't really be noticed in the great sweep of history. What will be noticed is that Western civilization came to an end on America, half a millennium of Euro-American civilization came to an end on America's watch and ended in an utterly despicable, and it's not just that all the jobs got shipped to China and young Americans were left with nothing except meth labs and fentanyl. That's bad enough. Then to descend into this uh, identitarian craziness that is at once pathetic and self-indulgent, defining oneself uh, by, uh, you know, essentially by one's appetites, and then taking to the next level by forcing your appetites on others so that we then have uh, schools that are... There's something uh, that Kate McMillan posted at uh, Small Dead Animals about... Uh, what, what's, what's it called? Felching. Felching being taught in... If you don't want to know what felching means, uh, consider yourself lucky, but... Uh, if you're interested to know what it means, ask your second grader because uh, she'll probably be learning about it in school. Uh, this is th this is this is where things are headed. It's it's a it's a complete perversion of civilization, complete perversion of the purpose of life. And a country that still, you know, that is evil and totalitarian, but still understands things like the purpose of life, like China or Russia or whatever, uh, is a better bet for the future than going any further down uh, this road. Let's have one more. Uh, Keith Fowles says, I hope Ofcom weren't relying on Peter Hotez to support their defense. His lack of credibility has been well and truly exposed on Twitter this week. This is the guy who I think the take is up over a million bucks right now. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and he's refusing to debate uh, RFK Jr. after saying that everything that RFK says is a pack of lies. This is one of these guys who says, follow the science, follow the science. <laughs> he can't argue his corner. He can't argue his corner. His point here was to get RFK cancelled, not to say I can kick his ass in debate because Peter Hotes couldn't 
debate uh, anybody. Jeff says, I'll take a couple more. Jeff says, Mark, since Ofcom, the Ministry of Truth, has a suitably Orwellian name and headquarters building, it also needs a proper Orwellian motto, similar to war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. Do you have a suggestion they could adopt? Perhaps follow the science, must follow the science. Yeah, yeah. That's not a bad one, Jeff. Chris Davis says, hi, Mark. I hope your new blood is doing the business for the bum ticker and you're feeling more chipper with the Mark Stein crew so nearby. The two-party state with barely a cigarette paper between them is not democracy. There is a dire need in the UK for a genuine centre-right party to replace the husk that is the Conservative and Unionist Party. For the first time, I'm seriously considering the possibility that we need a change in the voting system to include an element of proportional representation buttressed by some form of open primaries. What are your thoughts? Keep well, Mark. Well, you know, we have open primaries, so-called, in the United States, and that doesn't seem to work out that different. The fact of the matter is that a lot of this stuff is just theatre now. So if you, it, it, it's fine if you are not interested in baseball, if you're not interested in rugby, if you're not interested in basketball, if you're not interested in cricket, and you want to follow party politics as a sport where you root for your team, if you look on it as a soap opera in which everybody is a crap actor and pretty ugly with it, then it works fine too. But the stuff that is talked about. I look at it, you know, as I said, I, I wanted to have RFK Jr. back on the show because he's an interesting, he's talking about interesting things. You could have someone like Nikki Haley, who just looks like someone uh, manufactured from the factory of political candidates around the back of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You know, she's been taught by uh, you know, Republican Party Central HQ to do all those robotic hand movements when she's talking about anything, like an air stewardess uh, pointing out the emergency exit. I can't, you know, I have no interest. I just have no interest in that. As I said, our civilization is going off the cliff. And our children and grandchildren are going to lead crappy lives. And they will, if, the, if there's any surviving footage of how Americans lived in the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, they're going to be stunned. They won't believe it if they've got any devices they can play it on. And they will curse our generation for screwing it all for them. So uh, you're right uh, not to be interested in the dead husk that is the Conservative and Unionist Party in the UK. I don't know whether a different voting system would do anything for it, but you're not going to get that. So the thing to do is to figure out, I've no idea what constituency you're in, Chris, but where your vote can do the most damage, bearing in mind that even if the Conservative Party had been any good these last 13 years, 13 years is pretty much the swing of the pendulum. The swing, it would be very difficult, even uh, for a serious, credible Conservative Party, which these guys certainly are not, uh, to actually have anything, uh, any chance of victory just because of that natural pendulum swing. And it isn't going to be good having... Uh, Kirst, because the Conservatives squandered the last 13 years, 
Uh, you can bet that Keir Starmer and the Ginger Growler are not going to do that. These lessons apply generally around the Western world. But so you have to you have to accept that if it's not going to be possible to stop a Labour victory, you would like to do you would like to use your vote to ensure that there will be uh, some energy and opposition uh, on the other side of the ledger. Uh, that is uh, pretty much all. I'm pretty tuckered out, as said, a two-hour wait uh, at the border and just made it back to our little studio in the nick of uh, time and a little bit underprepared. Uh, but uh, we, uh, I think we've got time for a little bit more music to close. I don't really want to. I know we played Transfusion earlier, but I don't really want to play uh, Transfusion or do a blood-themed show. So I tell you what, let's flip the platter. Uh, as one could do in the days of 45 RPM singles. You know that great track by the Angels, My Boyfriend's Back? If memory serves, that was the B-side of My Boyfriend's Front. (laughs) I did that joke when I was a teenage disc jockey, and I still like it. Uh, Anyway, for all you Nervous Norvis fans, (laughs) this is the B-side of transfusion. Boom, 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 boom. D-I-G means look, D-I-G means stare, D-I-G means see, D-I-G means glare, D-I-G means to use your eyes, so dig, 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 you crazy guys. Dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, 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 you crazy guys. D-I-G means glance. D-I-G means peep, D-I-G means watch, D-I-G means peak, D-I-G means to be alert, so dig, 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 dig till it hurts, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, 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 dig a rooney, dig, 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 dig a rooney, dig, 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 dig till it hurts. D-I-G means gaze, D-I-G means ogle, D-I-G means observe, D-I-G means goggle, D-I-G means to look at that, so dig, 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 you solid cats, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, 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 you solid cats. D-I-G means sharp, D-I-G means knowledge, D-I-G means brains, D-I-G means college, D-I-G means you know the score, so dig, 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 and dig some more, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, 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 dig some more. D-I-G means clear, D-I-G means understand, D-I-G means catch, D-I-G means comprehend, D-I-G means that you are hip, so dig, dig, dig those cool lips, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, 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 dig those cool lips. D-I-G means poise, D-I-G means smoothie, D-I-G means smart, D-I-G means groovy, D-I-G means you know the trick, so dig, dig, dig those nervous chicks, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig a rooney, dig, dig a rooney, dig, 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 dig those nervous chicks, so dig, 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 dig away.
dig, dig a Rooney. Dig those nervous chicks. That's solid advice from Nervous Norvus, uh, assuming that is that one is still allowed to dig the chicks in today's America. Dig Stein online this weekend. Uh, Rick McGuinness on the movie beat. Stein song of the week. The Mark Stein show returns on Monday. Can you dig it? Stay safe, stay free, stay well. I say, ooh, 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 man. Dig those crazy lips. I say, ooh, 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 man. Boy, she really flips. I say, ooh, 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 man. Dig that crazy chick. I say, ooh, I say, ooh, 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 man, she's a real god size. I say, ooh, 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 man, dig that crazy chick. Clubland Q&A is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. I say ooh, 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 man, dig that crazy walk. I say ooh, 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 man, she's got real hip talk. I say ooh, 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 man, dig that crazy chick. I say Rights Reserved.